0: So, today we're continuing on in a series that we're calling Been There, meaning, for the most part, that whatever you're facing, whatever challenge you might be enduring, Jesus has actually been there. Last week we asked the question why is God so slow? And we wrestled through this idea of waiting on God. And man, it can be challenging at times. And today, we're gonna be talking about when you're ready to quit. When you wanna throw in the towel, when you wanna raise the white flag. But know that I want this to be an encouragement today. I want you to know that whatever it is you're facing, you've got this. It's going to be okay even though you might not feel like it. Just don't quit. Now, I know many of us would say that we don't want lives that are full of pain, full of heartache, or full of questioning and doubt. Like, nobody wants that. That's not what we're kind of signing up for. We're wanting a life of of ease and, and luxury. But there's a tension in our life, and that is anything worth doing is going to be hard. When we face opposition, that's when we often find ourselves wanting to quit. But the problem is you can never get to the end product without going through the process of pain. And I heard one person say it this way, a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. Like, that's just a great imagery. You don't learn how to sail in the calm waters. So if you want to be a champion, well, it's going to be hard. If you want to be a good leader, it's going to be hard. If you want to be a good parent, that's going to be hard. If you want to be a person of character, hard. If you want to start a business, it's hard. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, it's going to be hard. So how do you hang in there? Well, you've got to know your Why? That goes back to the leadership guru, Simon Sinek. He has a whole book, Start With Why. You got to have that motivation, that desire to simply not quit. But what's more encouraging than just starting with why is knowing that Jesus himself didn't quit. But he understands the idea of wanting to quit. So we actually see this in Mark chapter 14. We see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, Abba, Father, He cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done, not mine. Man, there's this tension in this text. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Now, to actually appreciate what's going on here, we're going to go back a little further and we're going to go back to the Last Supper, And the Last Supper is this moment where Jesus is with his disciples, they're in the upper room, and what they're doing is they're celebrating the Passover meal together. They're spending time together, they're enjoying a meal, and they're kind of all just sitting around the table. Like, think of Thanksgiving for us, and like, we've just finished this meal together, we're sitting around, we're talking, enjoying time together. But I bet they're also talking about some of the miracles Jesus had just done. Or they're talking about what could possibly be coming next, because man, they had been on a wild ride with Jesus. And I'm sure there was some excitement and energy in the room. So some crazy things had been happening, miracles, healings, teachings of Jesus. So with it being Passover and the significant meal for them, I'm sure they were wondering, what's Jesus going to do next? And they're kind of like sitting around, but they're paying attention to Jesus, Well, he stands up in the middle of this moment and he says to his disciples, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. Like, man, I'm sure jaws dropped. Like, I'm sure you could hear a pin drop at that moment. Everybody's sitting there thinking like, what? Did he just say what I thought he said? And then you've got Peter and you've got to love this guy. He stands up and he says, even if all of these guys fall away on account of you, I never will. Like, can you imagine the awkwardness in the room at that moment? Like, this guy stands up and says, hey, these people might fall away, but not me. And they're all thinking, thanks for throwing us under the bus, Peter. Like, what are you doing? Like, awkward. And it's already a bizarre moment with Jesus saying what he had just said. And now Peter takes it a step further. But Jesus looks at Peter and he says, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows twice, you're gonna deny me three times. So of course, Peter then doubles down and he says, look, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. I'm not gonna fall away. It's not going to happen. And of course, the other disciples, they agree with him. They're like, yeah, let's go. Like, we're not, we're not gonna fall away. But why is Peter so adamant? Well, we got to go back a little further again. Back in Matthew 16, there's this moment where all of the disciples are together with Jesus. And Jesus is asking them, who do people say that I am? And so they're giving different replies to him. And then he suddenly looks at Peter and he asks, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And man, I don't know about you, but I hated getting called on in class. Like it's like one of those moments where the teacher's like, Kevin, What's the capital of Canada? And it seems so easy that it's almost like a setup for a trick question. Like, it's like, I think it's Ottawa, but I don't want to say Ottawa if it's Toronto and she's trying to trick me or something. Like, so I'd rather not say, but Peter's not like me. So he's like, oh, I got this. Peter stands up and says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. And Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are God. Peter. He changes his name right then and there from Simon to Peter. And it's a significant truth that he changes it from Simon to Peter because Peter means rock. And he says, Upon this rock I will build my church. And Peter's like, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, I got it right. You all hear that, guys? I'm the rock. And I believe that's why he was so adamant in this moment when Jesus says, you're all going to fall away. Peter's like, "Mm -mm -mm. remember, I'm the rock. I'm the guy that got the answer right. You're going to build the church upon me. So now going back to the Last Supper, the Bible says that afterward, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And then he takes a subset of disciples, Peter, James, and John, And he tells them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he's saying, I'm filled with heartache. I'm filled with trial and struggle because he knew what was coming. And then he says to them, sit here and keep watch while I go over there and pray. And it says that, Jesus was overwhelmed, crushed in spirit to the place of death. And Luke's gospel records that Jesus was in such agony that he was sweating drops of blood. So we're starting to feel this tension now between doing the right thing and wanting to quit. So Jesus tells the disciples to sit there, keep watch while I go pray. And he goes and he prays, and we see the context where we started now. Jesus crying out to his father, saying, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. In other words, he's saying, I don't want it. I want to quit. I'm done. But then he says this, but it's not what I want. It's what you want. So Jesus gets up and he goes back over to his disciples and he says, Well, he gets there and he realizes that they're asleep. Like he's given them one simple command. Like he knows what's coming for him and he just tells them to keep, keep watch and they can't even do that. So Jesus at this point of suffering, you can feel this desire to want to quit. And then he gets back and this guy who he's going to be building the church upon is sound asleep. Peter, the rock is sleeping. So Jesus says in Mark 14, Simon, he said to Peter are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for just one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I want you to notice something here. I love how Mark points this out. Mark says that Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon. And something happened here. He called him Simon, but wasn't his name changed to Peter? The rock? Well, the problem was he wasn't acting like a rock right then. He might have been sleeping like a rock, but he wasn't acting like one. He had just been going on saying, I got this, Jesus. They might fall away, not me. Like I'll die for you. But it turns out we can't even stay awake for him. So then Jesus says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I get it. I get that you want to do this, but the flesh is weak. Stay alert, be on guard. And That just raises the question, have you ever felt that? Like, man, my spirit really wants to do this. I I really want to exercise, but my flesh, ah, that bag of potato chips looks a whole lot better than waking up early to exercise. My spirit really wants this. Like, I want to be better. I want to be able to fix this. I want to be able to change this. I want to be able to have a great marriage. I I want to be able to be a great parent. I want to be able to fill in the blank, whatever it is that that you desire. But your flesh is weak. And so it's like, I should just give up and quit. Well, Jesus has been there. Jesus is feeling that tension. He knows everything that's before him and he's appointed And his appointed leader is sleeping on the job. So Jesus goes back a second time and he prays some more. And he comes back and somebody must have hit the snooze button because again, Jesus finds all of his disciples sound asleep again. So I don't know how he goes and wakes them up. If he kicks them, if he shakes them violently, yells, he just wakes them back up. And it says they didn't know what to say. Because really, what can you say in a moment like that? You've just been caught a second time. For sleeping on the job. So Jesus goes back and he prays a third time. He comes back a third time. And the third time he's like, come on, you've had your rest. The son of man's about to be betrayed. My betrayer is at hand. And the Bible says that they got up to leave the garden. And just as Jesus was speaking, an armed group of guards and people came to arrest Jesus. And one of them puts their hands on Jesus to arrest him. And Peter draws his sword and cuts off his ears. Like I'm thinking like Fruit Ninja. (laughs) But if you've played that game. (laughs) But Jesus then turns around and looks at Peter and he says, stop. Put your sword away. And I love what he says next. He says, shall I not drink from the cup of suffering that the father has given me? And what I love about this is he's saying, this is what I have to do. I'm not going to quit. I love the resolve in Jesus' mind. I will drink this cup of suffering. I'm not going to quit on you. And now before we throw stones at Peter, I want us to put ourselves in his shoes. So you're supposed to be the leader. You've been given a name change. You're the rock. And then you make a bit of a fool of yourself. Stand up at a dinner party and you're like, hey, everyone here might fall away, but I'm not going to. I'm pledging my allegiance well ab- beyond anything that they can do. I'm with you to the end. Remember, I'm the one who said who you were. I'm the rock. I'm not going anywhere. But then he can't stay awake. So here's Peter saying, I'll die for you, but he can't stay awake for him three times. And imagine the third time. Like, it's like, this is extremely awkward. So, Putting myself in Peter's shoes, I can only imagine the frustration with himself. Like he's saying, I'm not going to mess up. And then he continually messes up. So he's thinking, why am I a failure? Why can't I stay awake? What's wrong with me? I'm asked to do this simple task and I can't stay awake. So I think in his frustration, he was thinking, okay, now's my chance to prove I'm the rock. When he sees these guys coming to get Jesus, he brings out his sword, cuts the guy's ear off. He's thinking, I get it. This is, the, this is the point of death thing right here that I said I'm going to be with Jesus to the end. But after he cuts the guy's ear off, Jesus rebukes him again. It's like, what? Like This guy just can't win. He's like, this is terrible. This is horrible. Like, I keep telling Jesus I'm going to be strong and I keep messing up. And then it's in that moment, the disciples then scatter and they're gone. And Jesus is alone with the guards being taken to trial. And he says this in the face of suffering. Will I not drink this cup? He had already decided he was not going to give up. Why? Because he knew. He knew there was no other way. There was no other way to be made right with God. Because if there was, Jesus would have taken it. That's the reality. Jesus said, is there anything else that can happen? Please, because if that's the case, let's do that. But Jesus knew there was no other way. So he decided, I will not quit. I've resolved to go all the way through with this. So Jesus gets arrested, he's taken to the temple courts to stand trial, and all of the disciples scatter. Meanwhile, Peter follows along at a distance, trying to keep an eye on Jesus. And I can kind of picture Peter kind of like going from tree to tree, hiding under the walls, and just trying to not be so close as to be caught with him, but at least to keep an eye on him. And he's thinking like, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot, like all these things that I kept messing up on. So they get to the temple courts and Peter's trying to get close enough to see what's happening, to hear what's happening. And it's a cold night and he notices a a fire. So he's like, okay, I'm gonna go over there and I'm gonna warm up by the fire while I keep an eye on Jesus. And when he gets to the fire, somebody standing around says, hey, aren't you one of the guys with him? And Peter's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm not with him. No, 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 no. And they're like, no, you're with him. Like, you're one of his followers. And Peter's like, I don't know the guy, okay? A little bit of time goes by. Somebody else says, no, I know that you are one of the guys with him. You had to be one of them. And for a third time, Peter says, I'm telling you, I do not know that man. And Luke's gospel says that when Peter said that, the rooster crowed. The Lord's eyes and Peter's eyes connected and everything that Jesus had said suddenly comes flooding back to Peter and he broke down and he wept. He was done. Peter was ready to quit. So I want to ask, what are you ready to quit on? Where are you just like, I'm done? Maybe it's a relationship. You're just ready to be done. Maybe it's your kids. You're tired, exhausted, feel like you've made one too many mistakes. Maybe you just want to quit on God. Nothing you do feels like you're good enough. Or maybe you're just like Peter and you want to quit on yourself. Well, let me just say, Jesus has been there. And I'm so thankful that he didn't quit on us. He knows what it feels like to want to quit, but yet he endured. When those who loved him most left him, he didn't quit. When he was falsely accused, he didn't quit. When he experienced physical pain beyond what's even imaginable to us, he didn't quit. When he was humiliated, stripped bare, and the creation was mocking the creator, he didn't quit. Ultimately culminating in the fact that Jesus died a sacrificial death on a cross to save us in our own depravity, And he had resolved, he had made up his mind that he would not quit. He knew it was the only way we could be made right with God. It was the only way to conquer evil. Jesus knew he could not quit. So he chose to drink the cup of suffering because he knew there was nothing else to be done. There was no other way for people to be made right with God than his sacrificial death Jesus loved his disciples too much to quit. He loved Peter too much to quit. And the best news of all is he loved you too much to quit. So he was abandoned, falsely accused, whipped, beaten, nailed to a cross, stripped naked, and put there for everyone to hurl insults at. And here's what blows my mind every time. He willingly chose that so we could find forgiveness. All the way to the finish line, Jesus decided, I will not quit. Right up to the point where in John 19, it says he exclaims in a loud voice and he cries out, It is finished. Jesus finished his work and brought about forgiveness. He brought forth redemption, he brought forth the ability for us to have new life. He simply would not quit. But that's Jesus. What about Peter? Because the last time we checked in on Peter, he was weeping bitterly. He was heartbroken and he seemed to be on the verge of quitting. Well, there's several things that happened to Peter after that. First, Peter actually got to experience seeing the empty tomb after Jesus' resurrection. It says that in Scripture. Another thing is that when the disciples were breaking bread together in the upper room, Jesus appeared to the disciples behind locked doors, and he talked to them, and then he disappeared in front of them. That's a pretty cool party trick, and Peter got to see it. But perhaps the most important thing that actually happened to Peter is found in John 21. Here's what happened. Peter and a few of the disciples went to the Sea of Galilee and they were hanging out on the shore. And why the Sea of Galilee? Well, there's a couple of different reasons. You see, before Peter was a disciple, he was a fisherman. So perhaps he was going back to a place that he knew that was comfortable, kind of like, this is where I belong. The other thing that's kind of cool is that It was on the Sea of Galilee that Jesus invited Peter saying, Hey, come follow me and I'm going to send you out to fish for people. So for whatever reason, Peter's at the Sea of Galilee with a few of the disciples and he looks out and he says, you know what? I'm going fishing. Is Peter quitting? I don't know. But in that moment, we know that he's not preaching about Jesus, but here's the thing. He had seen the empty tomb He had seen the risen Jesus. So he wasn't quitting on his belief in God or that his belief that Jesus was raised from the dead. If anything, I think Peter might've just been quitting on himself. Like, yeah, I tried, messed up. I'm gonna go fishing. In Peter's mind, he's like, you know what? I stood up in front of all these disciples. I said this, I got this. And even if all of them fall away, is what I said. But here I am. I couldn't even stay awake in the garden. Then I chopped a guy's ear off. And then you know what? I denied, I denied, I denied. I denied Jesus three times. I'm no rock. I'm nothing. You know what I am? I'm a fisherman. So I'm going fishing. So they go out and they fish all night long. And they didn't catch a thing. And as the sun dawned and broke upon the horizon over the Sea of Galilee, all of a sudden the disciples could see someone, a figure standing on the shore. And this person yells out, hey, how'd you guys do last night? And they're thinking, oh, great. Like we didn't catch anything. And now we have this guy calling out to us from the shore. (laughs) They couldn't see that it was Jesus yet. But Jesus tells them, try throwing the net on the other side. So they do, and suddenly the catch is so large that they can't even pull it into the boat. And John says, oh my gosh, that's Jesus. It's got to be. And Peter jumps into the water and just starts swimming to shore. And when they reach the shore, the Bible says that there was a fire already going and Jesus had fish roasting. And as Jesus is sitting there, scripture says that nobody wanted to actually ask, who are you? They all knew it was Jesus, but there was kind of this awkward silence of like, okay, what's going on? And let's be honest. If I were one of the other disciples that had been thrown under the bus, I'm kind of thinking like, yes, like Jesus is about to drop the hammer on Peter. Like, (laughs) so I'm sure everyone was wondering, what is Jesus going to say? So they sit, they eat and they wait. And finally, Jesus breaks the silence over the smoldering coals. He looks over at Peter and he says, Simon, notice that he calls him Simon again. Simon, do you love me more than these? What a question. Like Jesus is asking, do you love me more than these other guys? And of course, we know that Peter had said, I'm going to stick around even if these other guys fall away. So Jesus says, do you love me more than them? And the word love that Jesus uses in this moment is agape, this unconditional love, this love that God has for humanity. But Peter replies with the love word phileo. It's a different word for love. He says, Lord, I phileo you. This is a deep brotherly kinship love that you can have for someone, but it's not agape. Agape. And this is significant. So Jesus says the second time, Simon, do you agape me? Do you love me? And he leaves off the more than these the second time. He said, do you love me? Do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. I love you. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that Peter's thinking, how can I say agape when you already know that I messed up, when I fell short? So the third time, Jesus says, Simon, do you phileo me? Jesus changes the word for Peter this time. And Peter says, Lord, you know, I phileo you, you know, I love you. And what I love about this is that Jesus meets Peter right where he was. He understood, he understands what Peter is going through. And you see, before Jesus' death, Peter denied Jesus three times. But now after Jesus' resurrection, he has the chance to declare his love for him three times. And the most beautiful part is that Jesus forgave Peter every single time. I love it because a lot of times in Christian circles, we tend to have a lot of love and forgiveness for unbelievers and those outside the church, but not a lot of love and forgiveness for people inside the church but I'm thankful that we serve a God who has enough love and forgiveness for both. So in that moment, Jesus then looks over at Peter and says, it's gonna get hard. It's gonna get really difficult, but I want you to follow me. Peter, don't quit. You can hear it in Jesus' voice. Peter, don't quit. Don't get back on that boat. I know you feel like you're not enough, Peter, but don't quit. I know what it feels like to experience loss. Don't quit. I know the sting of betrayal. Don't quit. You see, Jesus wasn't wrong when he called Peter the rock. Peter just had to go through a process of pain to become the rock that God needed him to be. You see, in the context of that moment of forgiveness, all of a sudden a new day dawned for Peter because Peter didn't quit. In fact, Not very long after that, he was actually the preacher for Pentecost where he delivered arguably one of the most transformative messages in the New Testament because 3,000 people were saved that day. So you could say on the other side of your pain, a Pentecost is coming. But you can't quit. You can't give up. You want a great marriage? Don't quit. You want to be a great parent? Don't quit. You want to feel like you just want to stop praying for that one person? Don't quit. Don't give up. You're having a hard time connecting with God right now? Don't quit. Keep pressing in, keep seeking Him. You want to give up on yourself like Peter? You feel like you failed one too many times? Jesus can forgive more than you can fail. Don't quit. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be comfortable. But what if it's the very discomfort we feel that shapes us into who God wants us to be? Jesus has been there. He knows what it feels like when you want to quit, but he didn't quit. He persevered all the way to the end where he could declare, it is finished. Forgiveness has come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for not quitting on us. Thank you that you love us so much that you saw things through. Let's just take a moment now to just bring to mind an area that you might feel like You're ready to throw in the towel. Just take a moment to give it to God. God, you hear the cries of our heart you know what each of us is carrying. These areas where we feel like there is no way that you can look past that or we have messed up one too many times. God, I pray that you meet us right in that moment and that you declare your love over us. And God, I pray that we respond in love. As we continue to keep praying, there might be some of you who, just as you hear this, you're processing through this message, you know that there's something you've been wanting to quit, but you want God's help to be able to persevere and continue to press on. Well, I'd be honored to pray for you. If you just want to lift up your hand, if you've been wanting to quit an area and you're just praying, God, help me just simply raise your hand. I won't single you out. I'm just going to pray for you throughout the week. Jesus, I am so thankful that you didn't quit on us and that you still don't quit on us. I'm thankful that you've given us the example and marked out the path of how not to quit. So God, I pray that in the moments ahead where we wanna do nothing more than just give up, I pray that you would give us the strength to cry out to you. And I pray that you would meet us where we're at and that you would be exactly what we need in that moment to accomplish what you want for us to do. Lord, help us, give us strength to persevere, to see things through. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for making a way for us to find forgiveness. Lord, we surrender our lives to you now. Take over, be in charge. And God, I thank you so much for your sacrifice and for new life. May we be transformed from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.